is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Sias, and back again for another episode of Breathe In, obviously joined by the guests, or my co-host, rather, uh, the Salty Sisters, Leah Frone and Tiffany Rich. Uh, today, we're going to talk about cystic fibrosis-related procedures. Obviously, CF is a disease that attacks the entire body, not just the lungs or not just the pancreas, but there's, there's other things that need to be done to sort of take care of the symptoms of the disease and make life more manageable. Uh, and so Leah, who just actually had a procedure done not too long ago, uh, I will throw this over to you and let you start the episode out. So last Monday, I had my ninth bronchial artery embolization. So basically, <laughs> I've had this problem my entire, well, not entire CF life, probably since middle school. In middle school, I got a really, really bad lung infection, and it caused all this damage in my right upper lobe, you know. CF can do that because of all that nice sticky mucus. So I had a really bad infection, coughed up blood for the first time ever. That was the first time I actually got hospitalized was in like, I think it was seventh grade. And they were like, you know, like the bleeding will go away. It's not a big deal. Like we oh, that, the that, infection. Was the, that was the first time you coughed up blood in seventh grade? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, wow. I did the yeah, same. I, I honestly like growing up, I had digestive issues and then one day it kind of just flipped. Oh, wow. You know, and then digestive wise, I was fine. And then I just have to take my enzymes and then the lungs kind of became the issue. Oh, so, wow. yeah. But, um, after that, you know, I cough up blood occasionally, but it would be related to infection. And then my senior year of high school, right after I had graduated, I remember I was laying in my bed one night and this was around like the 4th of July. I was actually ready to like getting ready to go away on vacation with like my entire family, like cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone. And I was so excited about it. And I'm laying in bed and I feel great. I lay down and I start feeling that feeling, you know, like you're going to cough up blood. So like, I, like, like the gurgling, warm, like grossness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> cool. hardest feeling to describe to people, you know, really but you can, like hear it and feel it. Yeah, and it was pretty late at night. It was like, you know, after midnight. So I like run to the bathroom and I just coughed up blood for hours. I mean, I filled up that toilet at least twice with blood. There's oh, wow. blood everywhere just like covering the bathroom and like my parents room was kind of far away <laughs> my sister was right next to it <laughs> she actually woke up from it you know right you know so she wakes up from it and she's like oh my god so she runs and gets my parents and they took me to hopkins and you know that's when they kind of started talking about doing an embolization and being like this is a nice option it'll help stop that bleeding <clears throat> so that's when i got my first one a couple months later because i was you know debating is this something I want to get done is this something I don't want to get done because there are risks as there is with any procedure you get done <clears throat> and we didn't know a lot about it I didn't know other people that had had them so you know we weighed out the pros and cons and it kept being a reoccurring <coughs> issue so eventually you know I've, I I've never had one so like what what actually is it so for me at least 
they go in the femoral artery in your leg and then they go all the way up into your lung and then they shoot dye up um, mm -hmm. and you have a bunch of like, you're in IR, so you're in interventional radiology. You have all these pictures of everything going on around you and they can see exactly where you're bleeding from. And then they insert these little, I guess, like they're kind of like little beads and yeah. they help block off that area that's bleeding so that it won't bleed anymore. The issue with getting them is that your body gets smart. So if you block off a certain area, your body regrows vessels that are going to go around that. And it's kind of a reoccurring issue that you're going to have to get it done most likely again mm -hmm. once you have one. Um, I'm a little weird because I've had so many in such a short amount of time. Um, I had the problem where that damage that had occurred in middle school, if I lay in, on my back or on my right side, I'll just cough up blood. Mm -hmm. So it took about seven years for someone to figure out why that was actually happening. So now I just get like maintenance embolizations. Just, <laughs> you know, just maintenance pain that just, area. Just changing the we tire. Problem is, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's yeah. treatable and it's fine and we're in a good place with it. And I don't have that bleeding all the time when I lay down, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was kind of I feel like I feel like you go longer now. Yeah. Without so having episodes. Feel like it's a little bit longer. And that's kind of their goal. They didn't want to insert so many beads that they could never do it again. Yeah. Um, so, so, so like, so the goal of the embolization, if I'm understanding this correctly, the, like, you, yeah. they put the beads in, and the beads blocks off the the blood vessels from bleeding, or it yeah. sort of yeah. like it sort yeah, of yeah blocks it. It sort mm -hmm. of just don't, like clots the little area kind where, of, where yeah. the blood's yeah. trying yeah. to come from. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're basically plugging like uh, a leak. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a queen of getting them. For a while, I was getting one done every, like, three months. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the point where they were like, you know, you might need to have, like, you might have to get a transplant if you keep having to get this done because we can't figure out why it's happening. And then I sat this surgeon down who normally does it for me, and I'm like, look, I'm going to need new lungs if you don't figure this out. So you're going to figure it out. <laughs> you know? He's like, really talking about all of it. And he's like, okay. And then... You know, we were in there for a while, and he like did figure it out. Are you are you awake away. while you're doing it? He actually cried. Yes, you're um, halfway. Yeah, you're like I half. Awake. Like they give you every time. It's a little different for me. I had a time where I had a resident doing it. They were really young. They did not know what they were oh. doing, and oh. they were in there for about four hours. It should only take oh. about an hour to two hours. Yeah. And he goes, "I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix this." And I start freaking out. I am hyperventilating. I am like, get me out of here. Like, I don't trust you. And then they like knocked me out. They were just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, but other than that, usually I'm awake. You know, they give yeah. you something to relax you a little bit. But right, I was half you know awake. <laughs> yeah, I only had one, and that was when I was twelve. And I coughed up like I was like coughing up cups and cups and blood, and it was for a few days. And we called my CF pediatrician and they were, they said we need to do a pulmonary uh, embolization so I went through the femoral and it was funny because they asked me what music I liked and I said in sync mm. they oh, went down choice. they went down the street and bought the no strings attached album and had it Aww. playing while I was going so I was all calm and stuff That's and so cool. yeah like Leah you can see the the monitors and stuff you can see what they're doing it's pretty cool and then i know when they go through one area you feel like you're peeing on yourself 
So when they shoot the die, yeah. you feel like you're peeing your pants yeah, every time like, they do it. Yeah. And they just keep shooting it. Yep. You know, it's similar to like the IV contrast. Yeah, for a cat scan. Yeah. And uh. stuff. So that is, that is a bizarre feeling. Pets, Such a bizarre you know? feeling. Really, and they don't, they don't tell you. They're not like, oh, you're going to feel like you're going to pee your pants, but you're not. Oh, you know? So I'm like, like the first time, and I'm like younger, you know, like, yeah. I think I just peed myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no. No, that's normal. I'm they like, told me. They told me they were. They told me said you're gonna feel like you're gonna pee on yourself, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and it's such a weird. It is a weird feeling. Yeah, I, I've had. I've, I've, like I said, I've never done the embolization, but I've definitely done the the IV contrast with the uh, yeah. with the CT scan, and that it is a weird feeling. When, as soon as they shoot the, the dye in, um, mm-hmm. the CT scan's obviously nothing though. You just sit there, and the little halo goes back and forth. It's well, like, yeah. Yeah, the donut of truth. Yeah, the donut of yeah. truth. <laughs> they told me when I got a CT scan, they're like, you're going to feel like you're peeing on yourself, and then you're going to feel like behind your throat you t- took a shot of Jack Daniels. <laughs> That's a little, a little hot. That is, that is what I did not have. I don't think I had that feeling. I, um, yeah, I don't know if I had either. I did. I did. It was weird. I am um, different when they get this stuff done. I mean, as like, you know, Using the dye as a bit of a segue with the uh, like with an IV. When mm-hmm. I was when I was really little, I was definitely afraid of getting the pick lines. That was like where I had I had oh, huge I, ex- I had huge problems. anxiety about that. I mean, I guess I still I had to get put to sleep. Yeah. So uh, when I was uh, when I was I think in probably first or second grade, I actually ran away from <laughs> from pick line procedure. I was like the first. It was the first one I was ever going in for, and uh, I just ran out of the room. But I, ever since then, my, they, they always, they put me to sleep and they sedated me or whatever. It's like a, so stupid that, like, looking back on it, it's not a big deal anymore for me. But it, like, when I, in the eyes of, like, a, a seven, eight, nine year old, it is a horrendously terrifying thing. Because, like you said, it's the same place where they do the embolizations, I think, right? The interventional yeah. radiology. Yeah. So you, the, you have the monitors up. There's, like, a, it's a big white room. There's big lights. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of beeping things. Like, scary. The, yeah, there's definitely, for a little kid, it's definitely a little of a, a little bit of a, a test of someone's courage, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And I remember, like, when I got my first pick, I think I was, like, in first or second grade. Um, I always did everything outpatient, even at that age. Yeah, I don't know same. why. But yeah, I, did, I, I was outpatient, it. too, yeah. Yeah. Um, when they put the picks in, like, in our CF clinic, they had a specific room where they would put picks mm-hmm. in, and that's it. Yeah. You know? And there were, it wasn't an IR. You didn't have oh, all you did it in... You actually had to go to the get CF an clinic? x-ray when you were done. Oh wow! Um, yeah, see, it was that really would, see that like me thinking. I know people still do that. I, they also do bedside pick lines too, where you yeah, do that's it. What I was gonna like say. that's, that's what like with me. That is a that is a horrendously terrifying thing. Like, I would not trust anyone sticking a pick line in me bedside because that thing it ends by your heart. Like you, like I want to know. Yeah. I want everyone I to be know, on this the same is page. Daryl, and it's in the yeah. Place. Yes, exactly. One time went in my ear. Yeah. Oh, that bad. Wait, you wait, you did one in your ear. Bedside with me. Okay. Okay. You. Oh, so well, tell us the bedside story one. That's. Yeah. Okay. You have well, experienced that. I tried it once. Didn't they, go well. There was this one lady that I would only <laughs> trust. Her name was Betty. <laughs> and she. That's a good name. She did all my pick lines, and then, so they what they do is you lay there, they get the tarp and everything, all mm-hmm. sterile, and iodine and all that stuff and then they go in and they have um they had like an ultrasound mm-hmm. thing when right. i was doing it to check and make sure it was all going in and for some reason she did it every time 
she was like amazing. <laughs> she was the champion, but the champion pick line instructor. Yeah, <laughs> like when you Betty you, sounds you know, like she was know. a seasoned nurse. <laughs> oh, yeah. seasoned she nurse. Older. She was uh-huh. older, and that's the only person I would trust. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I do them in through IR, so like I'll actually the way I even do it is. Uh, it's pretty common for RCF centers. So my cystic fibrosis center is obviously in New York City, pretty central central location. But since I don't live in New York City, it can take take me like an hour to get there, if not more. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way our clinic does it is they basically will prescribe uh, pick lines for for people to if they're if we're doing it outpatient, obviously, uh, to do it at like a local center or like a, lo- a local hospital. So I'll go to like a there's a hospital down the street from where I live. I'll just go down there and they'll put the pick line in and then I'll start and then I'll start home IV. So I don't have to go all the way into the city Mm -hmm. to, to my CF clinic, which is at just, it's at, it's at Columbia university, which is a major teaching hospital. So if you go to IR there, you could be waiting for hours. Whereas my local hospital down the street, you know, if I'm, if I'm there for two hours, I'm there for a really long time. So, uh, I mean, that's the way that it sort of evolved for me at that point where, you know, I was totally terrified of it. And I, I mean, I was, I still didn't, love it i mean i still obviously don't love it but even by even when i was in high school and beginning college like i still you know had some reservations about going in to get them you know i i definitely have a little anxiety about these things but you know it's i think the idea that it it could hurt a little bit is like the worst part of it the idea that you know the anticipation of that knowing that it's going to be a little uncomfortable is is really i think the thing that bothers me not necessarily the idea that someone's threading a, a wire through my body you know, yeah. I think I think it's the idea that it's just like an uncomfortable feeling. Right. I I was always uh, more, like more frightened <laughs> when they do dressing changes because I thought it was going to come out. Oh, oh really? Oh, see, I know? actually see. I, I had I had when I was in first grade. After the time that I ran out, I ran away. I uh, once they finally got it in me. A week later, it actually fell out of my arm. Like the oh, the pick uh-uh. line fell out of my arm. I was uh, remember like those razor scooter things. Yes. Yes. So I, so I was, you know, being like a a normal little kid with my friends, you know, racing around a little razor scooter, and I fell, and I scraped my arm where the bandage was. The bandage peeled off, and the pick line just slid right out. So horrendous, right? I mean, like the the idea and the thought of that happening is like the worst thing ever. So uh, since then, I've always gotten them stitched in. To the point yeah. where so it just, it'll never fall out. I also have uh, adhesive allergies. That's smart. So so the stitches, oh, okay. the, the stitches help. Yeah, I um, I was in the when it was okay to do. You know, they had a children's room at the hospital mm-hmm. where all the toys were, <laughs> and we. I was there. I was probably like, I think I was five, and I went in there with my IV pole and my mom, and some kid ran into my line and ripped it out. Uh huh. And that was that the last time like, you ever allowed in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we we said nope, no more, oh my no gosh, more of that. That's, it's just scary because <clears throat> I just looked at it. I guess I didn't scream or anything. I was just like, "Mom." <laughs> that's but, horrendous. I, I mean, then, that, you have to, then you have to go through the whole process again and get a new doing one. Doing it again, yeah. That, I mean, that's the worst right. part of it. I think. You know, there is something to be said about doing home care IVs, and my parents were always pretty adamant about the fact that they were going to keep me out of the hospital unless mm-hmm. I absolutely, absolutely had to be in. And I think, uh, you know, one of the, the negative sides to doing home care IVs when you are when you have a little kid is that he, the little kid's going to want to be a little kid regardless of whether or not he's sick. Right. You know, like as soon as you mm-hmm. start to feel better and the IVs start to work or whatever and he goes back to school or he wants to start playing with his friends – there's going to be a degree of, of concern there. 
And I think, uh, you know, the way my parents definitely handled that at least was they, they tried to make everyone aware about what was going on. You know, whenever I, if I had an IV and I was still at school, it was like first or second grade, obviously. And, you know, I was doing half days or the school was obviously pretty good about accommodating my needs in that part. But, you know, the, the, the teacher knew what was going on. The nurse at the school knew what was going on. And ultimately, my parents also, you know, showed my my little, you know, seven, eight-year-old friends what was going on just so they could see, you know, how serious the situation was and just, I guess, think to give them some peace of mind because obviously you're dealing with a pick line. It's very, you know, it ends right next to your heart. So, you know, while it's really not a dangerous right. thing, it's there, there is a degree of, uh, of definitely some risk there involved. Yeah. You have to worry about infections too yep. and all that stuff. So, so, you know, I think, yes, I do. Uh, I do. I do think the infection concern of a pick line, especially around like little kids, like little kids are disgusting. So yeah, there's definitely <laughs> always that concern. Very true. Right, so I want to now move to the next yeah, procedure. I think, yes, definitely. But I want to move on to the next procedure. It's something I think we've okay. always, we've all definitely dealt with, uh, the bronchoscopy. Uh, the bronchoscopy is, I think the most uncomfortable thing in the, like the history is like in the history of CF care. It, I, so for those of you who don't know what a bronchoscopy is, basically uh, they, they stick a bronchoscope down your your windpipe into your lungs, and they can basically see inside your lungs, and they can take mucus samples. They can also uh, nebulize either antibiotics or pulmazine or whatever uh, down into your into your lungs through the bronchoscopy. And the bronchoscopy, I've had, I think I've had three done in my life, and they're never. I mean, you're, you're sedated when you do it, but it's definitely, uh, the, you know, when you, when you come to and you're, and you're, you know, back in reality, it you just cough and cough and cough, and the whole thing is just oh, really uncomfortable. Awful. Yeah, like when I was younger, they were my least favorite thing in the world. Like pick lines, hated getting them. Had so much anxiety, my veins would like clamp down, so they would have to put me to sleep. You know, that was a whole ordeal. Well, then they decided it would be fun to just surprise me with them. So I would go in to get a pick. And guess guess what? I would wake up, my throat would be killing me, and I'd be coughing up a lung. And I'm like, uh-uh, you did not just bronch me. And they're like, yup. So every time they'd put a pick in, they would bronch me at the same time. And then I would just cough and cough and cough for, like, ever. Because I'm pretty sure they, like, put saline in your lungs and kind yeah. of help yeah, well, you. Yeah, they basically wash the lungs out so they can suck the mucus Yeah. Out. Yeah, I didn't think it worked very well for me, to be honest. Like, I never got a benefit from it. I do remember one time, you know, anesthesia can be a little rough on your lungs. I stopped breathing. And, um, yeah, I'm not really a great time, but whatever. I had a good anesthesiologist, so that's really what it came down to. So he, you know, went to tube me, and he sucked out all this mucus while I was doing it. That was the best thing that had ever happened to me. Yeah. He got so much mucus out. I felt great after that. I've done, I've done, a, I've done a bronc with that too. Like I, uh, right after I graduated college, I was, my health was sort of like in a, like a flat spin kind of thing where they didn't really yeah. know what was going on and they had this, that, and the other thing. And uh, I was on IVs and my doctor was like, you know what, we're going to do a bronc uh, just to sort of see if, we're, if we can culture something that we're not culturing or whatever. And then, then she said, what we'll also do is we'll just suck as much mucus out as possible. Um, and they did that. And I remember coming out of the bronch. Obviously, you cough when you're, because you're just, it's very uncomfortable for your lungs and your windpipe and the whole right. thing. But for the next like two weeks, I didn't, I couldn't cough anything up. Like I felt like the whole thing, like it was like a vacuum. It just went in and it sucked everything mm-hmm. out. And I would say that was, it, it's hard to say that you've had a favorite procedure. But as much as I hate right. the bronch, that yeah. procedure alone definitely gave me a feeling of some reprieve there. Um, and, and I yeah. do think that. 
the bronchoscopy definitely serves its purpose, but it's it's, it's horribly annoying. Yeah, it is. I'm not a fan. I haven't had one since peds. You know, yeah. like since I've been an adult, that is not something that they really do unless you have some type of situation going on where you might have some type of benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd never had one before my transplant. Yeah. So, which is weird. I don't know. Which blows if my mind. Di- it's weird. I don't know if it's a West Coast thing over here <laughs> that we just don't do it yeah. or what is going on. But I've never, I never had one until I got my new lungs because they check for rejection and then they have to go culture and stuff for that. But, and then they do the lavage and stuff. And it's really uncomfortable. Like you said, afterward, your throat and you just don't feel great. I just want to sleep all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, you have like an anesthesia hangover essentially. Exactly. Those are the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just got to sleep. Yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the bronc is like, it's also the the chair that you sit in for the bronchoscopy is very it's like a very like menacing looking chair like like you, you sit, like first of all it's not very comfortable but like it's like tilted it's like going to the dentist almost you know I have no idea what it looks like that's oh really how often yeah. they would just surprise me they would surprise <laughs> me with these broncs I'm not even joking yeah I, I mean the one <laughs> the doctor would come in and be like haha are you ready for your surprise bronc and I'm like no you're not doing that and they're like no we're just joking and then afterwards they're like. We actually did it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the, uh, it, it looks like, like the ones that I've done it in, at least, it looks like a dentist chair. Like you're kind of in the, like the classic operating room sort of situation where there's like a big bright light, the whole thing. And it's just like a tilted chair and like you got your arms, obviously they strap you down and like yeah. you got your arms, like you're kind of like just floating there, like the matrix, you know, it basically looks like <laughs> the matrix. Hilarious. And, yeah. and you know exactly what's going to go on while you're sitting in this chair, but. Like the whole right. thing is just very menacing looking. I don't know. The bronc is, yeah. the bronc is definitely not my favorite. No, uh, my blood pressure is always high when I go in there. Yeah, I don't blame you. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's oh. that, that's something that I deal with too. I have like I have like crippling anxiety for these things. So I, yeah. I like that, the, the number of medications they need to use to sedate me is like a. <laughs> well, it's like a, it's a concern of mine. <laughs> yeah, I will. No, up. they told me I'm equivalent to a 250 pound man. <laughs> 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 I'm like good to know. <laughs> yeah, I I woke up the last one at the end, and that just makes you have so much anxiety. Yeah, I've woken up during you're one like too. Gagging, and oh, it's horrible. Like, we're almost we're done, we're done, we're done, we're done. I was like, okay, and then I'm like, I hope I don't remember this. That's exactly. <laughs> I the last time I got one, I woke up at the very end of it too, and like yeah. I'm you're like I think I passed out after I got like I think I kind of just. I, I was I had uh, I, like, I'm searching for the word here. I, I basically had clarity for a yeah. moment or two, and then I think I made myself pass out. Like I, yeah, that's what I did. Like I was just coughing, I was coughing, I was coughing. <laughs> I passed out, and the next thing I know, I was down in the hall the in the recovery. Uh, recovery room. Yeah, it's yeah, kind, it's kind of kind of a weird thing. You know, it's it's actually similar to uh, the when I had my G tube placed because the G tube's done through endoscopy, so it's. Yeah. It's sort of like a similar, you do it in sort of a similar place. Like the endoscopy is obviously, the tube goes down your, your, your what the hell is it called? The uh, the long tube that, go, that goes to your stomach and not esophagus. your, yes, the esophagus. The tube goes down, <laughs> down your esophagus rather, to your stomach rather than to your lungs. So yeah. they do the endoscopy and then they make the incision for the G-tube. So I the, the G-tube, I think, is a, it's more of a, like a significant surgery. So that's like, they really got to put you out for that. Um, 
but yeah, it's the, the the two surgeries are very similar in the sense that you know, like, or the two procedures rather are very similar in the sense that like, they're in the same place and they're both really only like about a half hour long. Like, it's not a big deal, but it's uh, it's definitely. I, I remember feeling the same way coming out of the G tube surgery that I did uh, coming out of the bronchoscopy, just minus the uh, minus the coughing. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you got the G tube put in? I was uh, twenty when I did the G tube. It was after my sophomore year of college. Okay. So I and I'm the way I did the G tube actually because the recovery for the G tube is pretty annoying. Like you, you really can't. Do, did you have did you have one, Tiffany? I had one after transplant. Yeah. But they did. Uh, it hurt. Yeah, it, it hurts. Like, it hurts like so hell. So painful. Yeah. I couldn't move. Yeah. So that's so basically, I was oh. on pick line because they know you, you really can't do anything. If you mm-hmm. have the G tube surgery, because I mean, if you think about it, it's th- they're they're cutting through your abs, right? And your abs are probably pretty strong from your your CF cough and the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, they cut through your abs, and it's like a four to six week recovery for basically like until cool. it stops hurting. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like like unbearable pain. It's just like general soreness. It's it's almost well, like, yeah. I would just think like having to cough all the time and then having that going on. That's exactly that would it. be the hardest part. Yeah, I mean that that is the hardest part. Like, doing the vest is almost like an unthinkable thing. <laughs> so I was, I happened to be, I happened to be on, um, IVs at the time because that, that was sort of like the idea. The doctors are like, okay, you're not gonna be able to do the vest for a week or two. We'll just keep you on right. IVs during your recovery so that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can, you can do IV treatments. And if you have to skip the vest here or there, you can, you can skip the vest. Right. And I didn't, right. be- I didn't really believe them that like, that was going to be why we were doing this. And then lo and behold, I get the G2 placed and the, the first day, it doesn't really hurt at all because, you know, you're on so much pain medication. You're coming out of the surgery. It's really not a big deal. The second day, though, when you right. wake up the next day, you are just in agony. Like, you were like, you, yeah, you cannot even move. Like, somehow, like, the G-tube's a, it's an outpatient procedure. So, I got the G-tube placed, and then you just walk right out of the hospital. Like, oh, this is fine. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, you wake up, and you are like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. I don't think I, I, don't think I used my G-tube for a week. Until the pain oh. sort of like went away a little bit. Yeah, they're not comfortable at all. I remember laying there because I was in the hospital still, and I had my chest tubes in too, so it was just that's a big just mess. A lovely experience. <laughs> and I remember just being in so much pain. They wanted me to get up and walk. I was like, no, I I can't right now. I cannot do it. And they're like, yeah, well, we understand because it's it's a hole in your. Yeah, like, like, and and you basically, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you have an injury, you have an injury somewhere in your body, and you don't really realize what that body part does to you and does for you until you injure it, you know, that that then you start to really like value that body part. So it's sort of the same thing with the G tube. You know, you don't really realize how critical your core muscles are to basically every single bodily function. I remember the hardest thing to do was actually laugh. Like I couldn't laugh. When I had the G tube in, like when I mean, there was, it was just like such agony for like a week, a week and a half. And I remember sitting there, I was watching TV, and my mom was in the room with me, and something stupid came across the TV, and all I wanted to do was laugh. And my mom tried so hard to like hold the laugh in, but I just, I kind of just like let it go. And I just remember, like, I was 20 years old, I remember like crying because it was just, it was, I had been like a week of this just hell, you know, and I. It was just so much pain over like the littlest thing ever, and it was like an ironic situation for me to be in because laughing was creating this distress for me, and I think it was just like you know it's one of those things where <laughs> it's such as life, you know it's it, I would it be shouldn't bother you, but that's what it is. That. 
No, it's horrible. It's horrible. So much. Like I laugh at everything. Like if you can't make me laugh, there's something wrong with you because I laugh right. at everything. So I'm pretty sure I'd be miserable. Yeah, because it's humor and the G Cube yeah. is like it just it's a little thing and it's it's done wonders for me and I think it's the best thing I've ever I've ever done, but the procedure for it was just it's like the worst part of I, the whole thing. I had a really hard time when they put the port in. Like after mm-hmm. they had put that in, <clears throat> I wasn't expecting the amount of pain that I had for that first week. You know, like hugging people and all of that. You never think about it. Same with like, I remember walking felt weird at first because you could like feel there was something in you that shouldn't be there. And like jumping was weird. Running was weird. Yeah. I remember just being bruised all. I was too. On my chest. I was bruised like, because my port's in like a weird spot. My port's right down here. It's pretty much in my boob. But, you know, I was bruised like all around here. And, you know, like, people are trying to hug me, being like, oh, I hope you feel better. I'm like, no, just keep it safe. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it was the best thing I ever got. Yeah, me too. I, the port was amazing because the uh, veins are so scarred up for all of those pick lines that they can't get them in anymore. So the port just saved saved me a lot. Especially when you end up being on them, like, like at least all every the time. three months. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, see, all right. So I'm, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on team pick line here. So I think okay. Okay, I, I, I so, actually I, I actually have decent veins. I uh, and I and I am on okay. IV. I would say you know three times a year at least, maybe four times a year. Um, okay. Actually, I think this year I probably I make I make close to four just because I had the stupid cold. But anyways, okay. I uh, right. I do think um, I think for me personally, the port would be limiting in the sense that I probably couldn't play hockey with it. And the other weird thing that you really can't do with the port that I found out, at least, is that you can't shoot guns. Like, I love going to shoot what? guns because, shoot guns the, the, because the recoil from the, the shotgun would explode the would explode the port if it's right on your chest. Maybe it's because where well, yours is located. So that could be why. The, mine's down here, so it would be the opposite side. That, that could be why. That could be why. Okay, so maybe yeah. that would be... Maybe that would be different for me, but either way, I am. Yeah, see, maybe see these are yeah. two. Those are two things that are major hurdles for me when it comes to yeah. the idea you. of the port of, of the port. But yeah. I, I really don't have bad veins, and I and I don't really mind the pick line procedure anymore. So um, that's why I'm on I'm on uh, team pick line. I yeah. just had awful veins. I still do. Yeah. You know, so I got to the point where I was like, okay, this will make my life a lot easier. Took me a while to get over the whole visual aspect of it, like. You know, most people's are up here, which now if I had to get one, I'd be fine with. But at the time I was, you know, probably like 16 and, yeah. you know, you want to look cute and stuff like that and wear the Did cute clothes. Yeah, you, you, the tube top. You know, I don't want some, we're like skinny, so I don't want some yeah. big bubbly yeah. thing up here, you know? So I was a little self-conscious about that and that's why they kind of put it down here in hiding. So, um, yeah, nice. I could. Have you had to have yours replaced? No, I've oh. had it for oh, I think ten. It'll years. be a, yeah. We've had it the oh, same amount of time. Yeah. It'll be it'll be twelve this year. Yeah, wow. we we got ours at the same time without knowing each other. Of yeah. course, but wow. yeah. yeah, I got my surgeon was a lady and she made sure that it was not um, able to see it because she knew I was so young and that I wanted to wear. The tube tops, and I wanted exactly. to have the good shirts and stuff, and not be self conscious about having <clears> a bump <throat> there, you know. So, right, um, it was it really, sense. it was just kind of weird because, like, 
when I woke up from that surgery, I was like, oh my God, I don't know where he put it because we had talked about different options. Like he said he could put it in a similar place like yours, Tiff, which is like kind of like over here in like the common spot, but it's like a little bit in your armpit. So you don't really see it, you know? And he was like, or I could go down here, you know, I'll just kind of get in there and see what I think like feels right, you know? And I woke up and I'm like, oh God, like, where is this thing? Cause like, take off my shirt trying to figure out where it is. And I'm like, oh God, I'm afraid to look at it. Like taking the bandage off, but uh-huh. I like love it. It is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I I don't know. I have I just have not graduated to the port. I get a lot of flack I know from other people with CF because they all love the port, like you two do. It seems like every time every every time someone gets to port, they're always like pushing hard on team port, and I, that's just not me. Well, I, I get why people the, don't want it though. So yeah, well, I get for your reason for sports because they told me right before I got it, contact sport is not a good idea. See, like, and there we go. The ultimate stop sign. Yeah. No. I know people that would have it access and they would play like lacrosse and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, see, I, I mean, I, I've heard, I've talked to people who do who do play hockey and that they have mm-hmm, important yeah. and I'm still, I don't know, like I, I think it would just be in the back of my mind. I think it would just be something right. that I'd be thinking I, about. I don't blame you. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, that's definitely, those are my two reasons, I think, for, for well, really three reasons because the main reason is just I have good veins. I think the veins are, <laughs> are sustaining me this far. So I think that's kind right. of where I'm at with that. Um, yeah. I don't blame you. I don't even know if I would have thought about it if I didn't have good veins. Yeah. You know, like, For if sure. I had great ones, I don't think it would have even been on the table. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think within the last year or two, I think I actually asked the guy, uh, the interventional radiologist who's pushing uh, my pick line. I was like, you know, how do my veins look? Do I think I, no, I need to start thinking about a port or whatever? And he's like, no, you're fine right now. Okay. Your veins are your veins are actually pretty good. So that's <laughs> yeah. that was one of the more reassuring things. And I always say that it's actually one part of my body that works. <laughs> Is my veins. My veins. That's good. That's great. If I I can get one thing that works, I'll take it. Exactly. (laughs) It's 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 the little wins that count. I uh, okay. So I, this has been a good. Oh, yeah. This has been a good episode. But I think we're running a little long here, so I just want to wrap this up. Um, this podcast has obviously been about some of the procedures that we deal with in cystic fibrosis. We didn't talk about Tiffany's transplant. That's a procedure I think that we can dedicate an entire podcast to, yeah. not just one about some of these smaller things that we go through, like uh, you know uh, endoscopies, bronchoscopies, pick line placements, uh, port placements, and obviously the embolizations that. Tiffany and Leah are such experts in. So, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about something specific, remember you can get a hold of us. Uh, iTunes, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, the whole thing. Uh, I'm at G17Assison on Twitter, at Assison17G on, on Instagram. And if you do follow us on iTunes, remember to like, share, review. For some reason, that's very important. I don't know why, but it's very important that you do that. Uh, and you can also follow the Salty Sisters and get a hold of them. How? Um, on Instagram at Salty Sisters and on Twitter and Facebook, same at Salty Sisters. And our email is salty sisters at gmail.com. And that's C Y S T E R S. Yes, my email is gunnersblog at assassin.org. Good luck spelling all of that. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.